This is Heads and Tails, a podcast created by two young women looking for answers from the people who most inspire us. We set out to learn the untold stories of women through not only their successes, but also the unexpected choices and twists that shape their lives. Romanian-born supermodel Andrea Diaconu joins us to discuss the realities of modeling in the digital age and the importance of trusting her intuition while allowing her moral compass to guide her to find inner peace. Here's Andrea Diaconu for Heads and Tails. Where did you get scouted? How did that come about? Were you just like walking in a grocery store? uh, I was at a public pool and I had a crush on this guy uh, from the football team. And uh, he was teaching me how to dive, I think. Mm -hmm. It was, and I was very bad at it because I didn't even know how to swim, but I was like trying to impress him. So I was sort of frogging, like crouching on the bottom of the pool and sort of just like, diving in from like a frog position like if you can think of the, oh of the crow yoga just diving in into like this really small public pool and this girl came up to me while I was doing this you know and she was like oh you should be a model and I had been approached before by generally men um, older men and it always just inspired fear and uh I don't know, some sort of depravity. So I never really went for that. But this girl was super chill, cute. She had, I remember she had bangs and I was just like, wow, bangs. Like, I don't know. I'd never seen anyone with bangs, I guess, at, at that point. So you trusted her. I trusted her. She was her, a lot more approachable than the, you know, 50 plus yeah. young man get coming up to you. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And yeah. she, my best friend actually really wanted to be a model at a time. She was super short um, and spunky. And she was like, yeah, we should go talk to her. What are you talking about? Like, let's go talk to her. And uh, I don't know. I was sort of like the loser friend that just followed around the spunky girl. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. We'll do that. Um, and then, yeah, we went to their offices. I went to their office with my mom and we decided to sign. And uh, yeah, then I started working. And were you mostly working in Europe or was a lot of um, like what was happening? My first job was in New York, uh, but like the first trip I ever took was to New York and I really didn't like it. Um, And I decided, I was like, I don't want to be a model anymore. This is terrible. It's terrifying. Uh, But I had already signed contract at that point. And so I sort of, I had to, um, and then I just sort of talked myself into doing it. Was there any part of you that wanted to be a model or was it just, oh, I have this opportunity in front of me. I'll I'll give it a shot. I was so confused. You know, I was 13 years old. I'd never been exposed to fashion magazines or anything like that. So I didn't understand what a model was, you know, like I remember my agent kept saying, you have to do this Prada job. Prada is like a big fashion house and it's like an important job. Uh, 
And I had no, I, I kept hearing this word Prada and it gave me so much anxiety because it was like on a daily basis, like, oh, you're an option for Prada, you're an option for Prada. And then finally I was like, what is Prada, you know? And they showed me a picture of an ad and they had that model had red lipstick on. And I was like, okay, like I have to wear red lipstick. That's what Prada means. So, you know, I can't say that I understood what it meant for a long time. I was just sort of like, have to do this. I think I read somewhere that you did your first job for a karate competition you could enter. Yeah, well, it wasn't my first job. It was like, I asked this lady when we went to sign a contract. I was like, can I have 50 euros or $50, I think. So it was sort of, was it like the money that was intriguing you to begin or was it just you have this opportunity? Yeah, for sure. There wasn't anything else that was intriguing. I mean, I went, the the office of the modeling agency was in the city center and I thought that was cool, (laughs) you know, but that was the extent of it. And at what point did you feel like, oh, okay, like I understand where I am. Like, I know what fashion week is. I have to go to all these castings. And like, at what point did you feel like, all right, like I know what I'm doing here? I don't know. Sometime... After I moved here, probably, um, I think a big part of it is that you travel to so many different countries. And so there's different systems in, you know, in Tokyo, um, Tokyo Fashion Week or Tokyo work life is very different than New York work life. And so, yeah, understanding all of the different systems was, took a while um, and just feeling comfortable like getting to a place of ease uh I think took me a while especially in New York just because I don't know it was it was New York is just so hectic and you don't really realize it until you leave New York Mm -hmm. it's just that's the way it is and so I just normalized like hectic living in my head um Probably, I don't know, probably after two or three years of living in New York, I was, I had a steady income from modeling and I decided to quit and like go to go back to school. And then my agency was really taken aback by that. And they were like, no, you can't quit. Like, you know, we're going to make you a successful fashion model now because I was sort of doing you know just catalog jobs and uh you know not high fashion or whatever you want to call it and so then I went into that direction and that was also really hectic and just a lot of traveling and not really any time to like maintain friendships or relationships just sort of like go 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 Yeah, I was going to ask about friendships and relationships because you moved at such a young age. I'm sure it was really hard to to cultivate long-standing relationships because I imagine you're on a plane multiple times a week and moving everywhere, and so it's hard to maintain a semblance of normalcy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking back, I definitely agree with that. I don't think I realized it while it was happening I thought I was pretty also everyone kept telling me how intelligent I am and how um sorry that sounds very not humble (laughs) just everyone around me all these older people because you know I was younger and everyone in fashion is 
was a little bit older at least and they're like oh you're so steady-minded and you're you know you're you got a good head on your shoulders blah 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 and so I just assumed that I was doing things the right way um but yeah I definitely I was definitely not in tune with myself at all or in tune with what I needed I was just like I said on a one-track mind of I have to do this and just listening to what other people thought that I should do which I think is a trap that many many people fall into especially when you're younger I think yeah I mean I there's a lot of people who have the opposite are the opposite end of the spectrum where they think they know everything and they have that track of mind, which is interesting. You know, it's, that's good too. Somewhere in the middle though. It's nice. So when you were, so you were, you modeled for, what'd you say, like five years and then you wanted to take a break or stop or whatever. Did you, I mean, once you had a solid grasp of the industry, did you see yourself and say like, oh, I want to be a top model or a, this, that sort of crossover between model celebrity? Uh, I think when I was maybe, maybe after like a couple of years after I realized what Prada was, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's when I was like, oh, if I'm a top model, then I'm going to be I'm going to make more money because I wasn't making money for a very long time. And I also had a mother agent that was taking a huge percentage of my income, um, which is not, wasn't really common practice, but that was just my luck. Um, And yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think after going, having gone to Tokyo for, I don't know, four years in a row in the summer and making what I would then learn you can make in a day you know over the course of like crazy hours in japan um for a month i was like oh man i really got to be a top one of these top models this is so great (laughs) um so yeah i think i had that maybe when i was like 16 i was super into like how do i become a top model but i didn't really know how to get there and then I started high school and so then I got into like the high school like I gotta be good at school and I gotta you know I had two separate worlds yeah right I mean you started and were modeling way before Instagram was a thing right yeah totally they were taking analog photos like they were still taking polaroids when i started right so that's like completely different to what the industry is like and like the common practices now wouldn't you say yeah i i think so for sure i remember when when i first like right before i left um my agent who is who is great he was such a wonderful guy um but i was just tired of um of doing the same cat, like my back was actually really hurting from, from doing, uh, from working in the studio that anyways, I remember the agent saying, um, you know, like you should really make an Instagram account and we got to make you a Facebook account. And, um, he, he ended up being, um, Bella and Gigi Hadid's agent and he did a great job with, with them. But I think you really have to be into that. I mean, the idea of, having a YouTube channel and a Facebook page that's public seemed so insane to me. Like I was like, wow, we really don't see eye to eye. This is so insane. Um, 
and so I yeah that's sort of when I decided to like part ways and then this whole Instagram thing really took off uh, but I, I can't say that it affected like not having a lot of followers affected my work in any way I mean I'm just curious to know more about how the industry has changed when I mean, I know you contractually have to share certain posts on Instagram, but then when people can promote themselves through posting super photoshopped, sexy photos of themselves and that like ups their worth or their model worth. I think I'm really the the worst person to, to be asking this question because I don't, I don't know how it works. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure what, I would answer to that. Uh, I think for whoever, you know, has that tool and is savvy with it and can exploit it for benefit, I think that's good. I feel like a hypocrite because all I post on Instagram is, you know, green trees and be good to Mother Earth. But then at the same time, I'm a model and I promote consumerism and stuff. So the, the hypocrisy doesn't, there's no way around it. So I think in a way it's much better uh i appreciate the people who can own up uh this exploitation of capitalism and just post i don't i yeah i don't know if i appreciate it but i i don't i think i had a hard time wrapping my head around people who sort of exploited themselves in that way um and now i sort of i i just think they're just being a lot more honest whereas i'm not i'm like trying to uh, be like, oh, that's not who I am, but really, it's really who I am, because I wouldn't be who I am if that part of me didn't exist, you know? Right. It's tough, because there's a consciousness that does and doesn't exist in certain places about social mm. media and its effects, and I mean, I think you're really cool and inspiring, because I think you I know you don't call yourself an act or an activist, but you bring awareness to some things that I know, like I wouldn't have thought about, or, you know, people don't think about on their day to day. And right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> thank you for, for saying that. I mean, it may, I really bad at taking compliments. That's one of the things I'm trying to work on um, as I'm sure you are as well, but um I think not being on social media is so beneficial to our mental health that I, I would really like to not be on it. Um, I deleted it a couple of times and then, you know, my agent sort of was like, you can't really do that. Um, so now I'm just trying to be more mindful of what I post, but I notice myself just getting into vortexes of social media where I'm like looking up at things and I'm like oh this is like should I be talking about this like people don't it's like if people are interested to know about an issue they'll seek it out on their own and that will be more meaningful than if they read a post on Instagram about it mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time I do get a lot of messages um, like what you said earlier um, about people being like, oh, I would have never known about this and now I'm really into it. Like, can you provide me with more resources? Um, and so I've, I've definitely, you know, uh, connected with people and sent them resources and stuff like that for whoever is interested. But that's like, you know, four people a year out of whatever, thousands. Um, 
So I don't know. I I don't think uh, I think the best relationship you can have with social media is like not being on it personally. But <laughs> do you feel like you get backlash from the industry from not being on it? Uh, no, I don't think so. If anything, I do think if I were to post a selfie, I know for sure I would get like five job offers because yeah. I noticed this crazy? like a couple of years ago and then, yeah, whenever I was having like a slow season, I was like, oh, here's a selfie guys. Like I'm still alive. Um, which is so funny because. Yeah. I, I know I've deleted it for like a week at a time, like a couple of times and throughout whenever I feel like I need to and it's so nice you don't even realize it's not there and then when I don't know a friend brings something up you're like oh right I gotta re-download my Instagram and then you get sucked back into this vortex and I think yeah it's like this thing that was invented and everybody got sucked into and then it made everybody become a different it gave a platform for people to become a different version of themselves and share with the internet and I mean even though it's totally. like you say it's just like it's unlike you or not you to post a selfie it's so tough and the temptations there knowing that you could post a selfie and get a job offer totally yeah i mean yeah i'll probably post a selfie at some point if i don't get any work this year i'll be like hey (laughs) um no i yeah i i think you really just have to figure out what's best for you. Um, and if being on social media at this moment, like if you need distraction from whatever else is going on in your life, and that's like your moment of reprieve is like scrolling, then maybe that's, that's what's best for you right now. Maybe that's what's, and I, the, the thing that bothers me that I noticed about it is that everything gets, it's so easy to, to capitalize or on anything, you know, uh, like it started off with eco fashion or whatever. And then, uh, now mindfulness is getting sort of co-opted and like anything that's, um, yeah, anything that's like trendy trend, things to be instantly. like advocating for. And it's, it's just so, uh, there's no room for original thinking in that, you know, there's no room for critical thinking. There's no room for, um yeah just having thoughts of your own you're just constantly I mean I'm not saying anything new you guys know this you're quite different from a lot of models in the sense that you're not promoting yourself with like retouch cover girl photos I mean you have like maybe you have a few but not in the capacity that other people other models have but at the same time you've still been a pretty big part of the industry for I don't know how many years a lot I mean takes a lot especially in an industry where people are just trying to conform to fit this box it takes a lot to stay really to stay true to yourself and to feel like you're doing the right thing and doing that and I'm just curious to know more about how you found that success in staying true to yourself or maybe not success but that yeah I think it's just uh, for me it definitely came with age like I was saying earlier I was definitely prone to that um, 
molding and following whatever trend was possible. And I think a turning point was when I come from a very poor, uh, I don't know, socioeconomic background. And so when I first, um, when my agency was first starting to sort of groom me to go into um, like more successful fashion week layer you know there's so many layers of fashion week there's i've done some castings in you know places in far rockaway for clothing and shows that nobody will ever see or has ever seen i think uh there were basically just student projects and i was <laughs> um and so when you i guess when you graduate from that layer and go to like better castings uh my agency was sort of trying to groom me and um they're like, oh, we got to go to Barney's and buy you, you know, like a Proenza bag and whatever the trend was that season. And um, I, yeah, I had a hard time, you know, spending $30 on a t-shirt felt insane to me. And so when we got to Barney's and the bag was like $2,000, I, I sort of lost my mind. And I was like, how can you, like, this is impossible. I can't believe that this lady is buying me you know, a bag and I have to wear this bag and it's such an expensive bag. I'm not going to be able to sell it if I wear it. Um, and so that was, I think, a turning point for me because I just thought that was insane. You know, like how can you spend this much money on a bag? Um, I still have this bag, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I think I wore it maybe three times. Like when I was doing a show, I was like, oh, maybe somebody will photograph me with my cool bag. Um, so yeah, I think that felt very inauthentic, just like wearing, and you know, she, she told me to buy leather pants, leather black pants or whatever people were wearing in the early 2000 or I guess mid 2000. Uh, and yeah, that felt very strange. And I think after that, I sort of found my way out of whatever I like went through a, through a pretty bad breakup uh and like a health crisis and i was able to relax in the hospital and i think after that i sort of was like oh wow relaxing is like this is so strange like i'm sleeping and uh i don't know man i i keep coming back to like not like realizing that you can relax and still be super hyper productive is the best thing that you could do and it also helps to attune you with yourself. And like that period really helped me attune me to the fact that, oh, I don't have to follow uh, this. Like, I don't have to buy Provenza bags and leather pants to, I don't know, be a successful, like I could still be my own self and like people totally. that will like me will still like me because I'm not just like another copy of another. And to so many uh I do feel like um, I am like so many other people. Like I, now I just fall into a different type of cliche, which is totally fine. I feel like, you know, if there was like a Myers-Briggs 16 personality thing, <laughs> um, now I just, I've moved categories basically, but um, this one just feels better for me. And it's, it's, it's so much more, 
it's so much nicer to know that, oh, this is the path that I want for myself, not something that somebody else thinks that I should take for myself. Whereas when I was younger, I think that's what I, I was so desperate to, to hear advice from people that I admired. I had this like one guy friend in particular that everything he said was like, oh my God, I have to like cling on to every word and like note it down and like do everything he says because he was successful. And I was like, oh, this is how I will get to be successful. Um, and yeah, I just followed his advice rather than like my own intuition. And then eventually, you know, years later, seven years later, I ended up doing those things that I wanted to do that he advised against. Um, and, you know, realizing that that's what I wanted to do in the first place. And that's what I should have done. So, yeah, I guess follow your, your intuition. <laughs> and I also feel like a lot of people have... Um, you know, everyone wants to feel like an underdog to some extent and feel like they've earned their right to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. And so going into that stress culture and going into that crazy, those crazy working hours is to, in some way an excuse to, I don't know, validate some of those fears like, oh, I have to really mess myself up in, in order to be able to relax. And maybe that's just the process of living. I don't know. Andrea, thank you so much for your time and for all your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for putting this into the world. Bye. Bye. Bye.